Happy hauntings, horror fans, and welcome to this week's episode of Megan's Murder Movies. I'm your host, Megan, and this week we're jumping into the 2013 Evil Dead. I know this one is a fan favorite of lots of horror fans, and I've been super psyched to do it for the pod. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. I don't think I have much horror news going on. Right now, I'm trying to think on if there's been anything super exciting. Still waiting on possible Scream 7 news. We did get the trailer. I think I talked about that last week for Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, Nothing that I can think of that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, Yeah, I think that I think we can just jump right in with a summary. So our tale of Evil Dead starts with Mia, who is a drug addict, but she's determined to kick the habit. Uh, She has enlisted her brother David, David's girlfriend Natalie, and Mia's friends Olivia and Eric to accompany her at their family's remote forest cabin to help her through her withdrawal. She's basically quitting cold turkey, and they're going to all be together to help her through this. At the cabin, however, Eric finds a mysterious Book of the Dead and reads aloud from it. Red flag number one, awakening an ancient demon. All hell breaks loose when the malevolent entity possesses Mia. So I remember the first time that I got to see this movie. I got to see it in theaters, which I was so ecstatic about. Um, I mentioned on the pod before, but I have a younger brother, and so he was not a horror fan. I mean, we were five years apart, so, you know, he, of course, as six or seven, wouldn't want to see the movies that I wanted to see at 12 or 13. But I got to see this in theaters. I was, I don't think how old I was. I was a junior in high school when this movie came out. And so thankfully, my dad took me and my stepbrother uh, to the movies to see this. I think actually my step, my stepsister, my other, my like actual brother came with us. I can't remember if we all saw it or if it was just me, my dad and my stepbrother. But I got to see this in theaters and it was one of the like big horror, like the goriest movie that I had seen in theaters before. And it was such a surreal, like bonkers experience. Like I remember vividly scenes from this movie just jaw drop in the theater, looking over at my stepbrother, him looking at me and us both just being like shocked at what we were seeing because he's only two years younger than me. So we kind of had similar interests in movies and scary things. And so, yeah, it was kind of one of our, our first big, like gory in the theater horror movies. And I'm so glad that it ended up being Evil Dead. So this one holds a special place in my heart because I got to see it in theaters and it's kind of, one of the ones that kicked off, um, you know, kind of solidifying that, yes, like horror is is my heart. So the Rotten Tomatoes for this uh, are kind of a bit of a bummer. And I feel like this movie is so um, popular throughout, especially like the Evil Dead franchise, um, but also just horror in general. Critics gave it a 63% and audiences gave it a 64 I feel like I know so many people who absolutely love this low, so I'm surprised that it's so low. I would have I would have expected the audience to be 80, 85, possibly closer to 90, just because it seems to be so popular among at least the, the horror fans that I know and I talk to. So this movie was available to stream on HBO Max or the new Max uh, 
like two weeks ago and then they took it off. Um, so I don't think this is currently streaming anywhere. At least it wasn't at the time of me recording this. They may be putting it on Netflix or Tubi or something since it was just taken off Max. Uh, but definitely if you've not seen it, go check it out. Again, it's pretty gory, but it's an Evil Dead like film. So that's pretty standard. Um, you could also rent it on Amazon or Google Play or YouTube. Um, I own it on DVD, so that's how I watched it for the podcast. Now we can jump into our cast breakdown, and we will start with our main gal, Mia, who's played by Jane Levy. Jane's an American actress, and after attending the Stellar Adele Studio of Acting, she debuted as the original Mandy Milkovich on the Showtime comedy drama series Shameless. She left Shameless following its first season to portray the lead in the ABC sitcom Suburgatory from 2011 to 2014. Transitioning to film, she was given the lead role in Evil Dead and Don't Breathe. She returned to television with series regular roles on the Hulu comedy drama There's Johnny and horror fantasy Castle Rock, in addition to the headlining Netflix thriller miniseries What If?, from 2020 to 2021, she portrayed the title character of the NBC musical comedy drama Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, for which she received a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress Television Series Musical or Comedy. Next, we have the role of David, who is Mia's brother, and David is played by Shiloh Fernandez. Shiloh's an American actor known for his roles in the television series Jericho and United States of Terra, and the films Dead Girl and Red Riding Hood. And he also had a voice in the 2022 video game, Evil Dead the Game. Next, we have one of my personal favorite characters, Eric, who is just friends with David and Mia. And Eric is played by Lou Taylor Pucci. Lou was an American actor who first appeared on film in Rebecca Miller's Personal Velocity Three Portraits in 2002. He had his breakthrough role in the film Thumbsucker in 2005, for which he won a special jury prize at the Sundance Film Festival and the Silver Bear for Best Actor at the Berlin Festival. Pucci then starred in The Chum Scrubber in 2005, Fast Food Nation in 2006, The Go-Getter in 2007, Explicit Ills in 2008, Carriers in 2009, and then, of course, in 2013, he was in Evil Dead, as well as The Story of Luke, and then he started Spring in 2014. Then we have the role of Olivia, who is again just a friend of David and Mia's, and Olivia is played by Jessica Lucas. Jessica is a Canadian actress. She is known for her roles in television such as Edgemont, Melrose Place, Cult, and Gotham, and in the films The Covenant, Cloverfield, and of course Evil Dead. And she also starred in the music video for Coldplay's 2014 single True Love. Next, we have the role of Natalie, who is David's girlfriend, and Natalie is played by Elizabeth Blackmore. Elizabeth's an Australian actress, and she's best known for her role as Natalie in Evil Dead, Valerie in The CW, The Vampire Diaries, and Lady Tony Bevel in the Supernatural series. Next, we have the role of the teenager, and this is the young woman that we see in the opening shots of the film and she is played by phoenix conley and phoenix is known for evil dead the royal treatment and daffodils then we have the role of harold who is the teenager's father and harold is played by jim mclarty and jim is known for evil dead king kong 2005 and the lovely bones in 2009 then we have the role of abomination mia so throughout the film we see 
Mia, and then Mia is seeing a version of herself, basically the possessed version version of herself, the abomination version of herself. And this role was played by Randall Wilson, um, who the only credit that I could find for them was Evil Dead. And then the last um, role I guess we can talk about is the role of the demonic voice. And Rupert Degas is the person who voiced the demon. Uh, Degas's first appearance was in the film Reunion. He then had television appearances in Dead Romantic, Over Here, A Touch of Frost, and Passport to Murder. Other notable television appearances include EastEnders, Lovejoy, Vandervolk, Waiting for God, Holby City, Love Soup, Shoot the Messenger, Nathan Barley, and Red Dwarf. He has other demon voice credits, uh, specifically in The Exorcist, The Beginning, and then of course in Evil Dead. Uh, his best-known voiceover roles are actually the voices of Zoomer and Scrambler in Bob the Builder. And his other animation includes Chopsaki Chooks, Robot Boy, Thomas and Friends, Lucky Fred, Grove High, and The Amazing World of Gumball. He played several characters in the animated feature film Planet 51, and he has done a lot of voiceover work since moving to Australia. He was in The Wild Adventures of Blinky Bill, Kitty is Not a Cat, the Strange Chores, Maya the Bee, The Honey Games, Bluey, Alien TV, Kangaroo Beach, 100% Wolf, Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, and in 2021, he narrated two episodes of The Wheel of Time. And that is our cast breakdown, uh, so we could jump into some fun facts. And of course, this film was directed by Fed Alvarez, and although he has a background in CGI, he chose to go with practical effects for the film's visuals, mainly out of tribute to what Sam Raimi achieved on the very limited budget back in 1980. When producer Rob Tapper suggested the possibility of an Evil Dead remake to Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, Raimi responded the most favorably, whereas Campbell was the least enthusiastic of the three. Remy thought that The Evil Dead 1981 was exactly the sort of film that could be successfully updated and reimagined with, you know, a new generation of filmmakers. Campbell was a little worried that he was going to be recast, but um, then he felt a little more comfortable when he heard that it was going to be a new set of characters um, and that, you know, there wouldn't be another Ash. 95% of the remake was shot in chronological order, and this was done because a lot of the film takes place in a controlled environment, and the level of blood and violence gets worse as the film progresses, so they kind of had to shoot in order, otherwise it would have been a mess to like clean everything up and then try to get everything back to where it needed to be and clean and everything for a shot to happen before things got bad. According to reports in the press, the film used 70,000 gallons of fake blood. However, in an interview with Alvarez, he said that they used 50,000 gallons for the final scene alone. This is compared to the two to 300 gallons that were used in the original film. When the broken necklace is found outside the cabin, it can be seen resting in the shape of a skull, just like in the original Evil Dead. The film was originally rated NC-17 until it was toned down to an R rating. According to the director, he and Sam Raimi were always willing to keep the NC-17 rating since the original film has it. However, the studio required that it have an R rating in order to have a wider release. Alvarez initially kept things ambiguous and said that due to several inconsistencies with the previous Evil Dead trilogy, the movie could either be a remake or a late sequel. They were originally planning and hoping to make like another sequel and another trilogy with Mia as the, you know, main final girl, possibly going to team up with Ash in the last film in the sequel. 
but Universal Studios eventually passed on this idea and redeveloped Army of Darkness 2 into Ash vs. Evil Dead. When the show was canceled after three seasons and Campbell retired from the role, all further plans were scrapped, and Evil Dead 2013 sequel was reworked as Evil Dead Rise, which came out earlier this year. Uh, This was one of my favorite facts uh, that I found when I was researching, but of course, if you take the first letter of the main character's names, David, Eric, Mia, Olivia, Natalie, the letters spell out demon, which I thought was kind of fun. The illustration of the abomination in the Naturum de Monto is based on the poster artwork for the original film, The Evil Dead. In the opening sequence, the petrol that Harold pours over his daughter was actually just apple juice. The you are all going to die tonight scene has an overlay during Mia's screaming of one by one we will take you. And this is the demonic voice from the original film. So this was what they they added this in as kind of a nod to the original. This film was actually banned in the Ukraine for extreme violence. So at the beginning of the film, Mia can be seen wearing a Michigan State sweatshirt. In the original version, the main character also wears a Michigan State sweatshirt in the opening scene. And this is, again, homage to Sam Raimi, who is from Michigan. Lou Taylor Pucci wanted to wear old-style glasses and long hair as a tribute to the early 1980s when the original film was made. Some of the cast had three-hour makeup sessions and then another hour to get out and clean up from the makeup that they had on. So like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, the film primarily used practical special effects, much like the original. However, CGI was used to add fire and remove wires and equipment used for the effects. Many fans of the series feared that since this was a remake, it would resort to CGI rather than practical, and this caused some people not to view the film for a while. But since that's not the case, many fans are thankful for the choice that the filmmakers made. So the film was shot in New Zealand over the period of a month, and uh, then they also had another 40 days of filming in the States. Alvarez got the job of writing and directing the remake on the strength of his five-minute short Panic Attack, which came out in 2009, um, which had become a YouTube hit by word of mouth. This is the third Evil Dead film to use the iconic chainsaw and double-barrel shotgun. In the final script, they cut out a lot of Natalie's lines. In the original script, she talked more. She was more of an actual character. She even had a backstory about how her and David met, but they ended up taking it out. So in 2015, Channel 4 in the UK premiered Evil Dead on their terrestrial TV like show that they had, and it was actually an extended cut. Nobody knows how the studio ended up getting that version, but it had an extra like four minutes added to it. Um, and so it was aired on British TV. It was aired on that, that UK channel four for one night. Then it was pulled from the TV stations. And this cut was later released on Blu-ray as the unrated cut. Diablo Cody polished and Americanized the screenplay while remaining uncredited. The unrated cut for the film restored six minutes of footage that was removed to achieve an R rating. It was finally released with Alvarez's blessing in 2018 on Blu-ray during the Halloween week as the director's cut. Another homage to the original, David and Eric's overshirts are very similar to Ash and Scott's. Alvarez actually pitched the film as the audience watching something they're not supposed to watch. Jane Levy admitted that her role was a physically demanding one and also due to the many hours that she had to spend in the makeup chair. However, her least favorite scene to do was the one where she has to vomit all over Olivia's face because she felt really bad that Jessica Lucas had to go through that. 
So then Alvarez stated that his favorite scene in the movie is the one where David has to bury Mia to free her from the demonic possession in order to help David Shiloh with this performance. They actually bury Jane alive in the, like in the grave. Like, of course, there were safeguards and, you know, she wasn't going to suffocate. But like he was actually putting dirt on top of her. And this was done so that Shiloh would feel genuine apprehension and would actually try and get Jane out as quickly as he could. Alvarez posted an original ending on his social media as part of the film's ninth anniversary, which showcased that Mia's character was actually supposed to be attacked in a point of view shot that was a deliberate callback to the end of The Evil Dead 1981. It also revealed more from the first screenplay draft where Mia was actually killed at the end. Sam Raimi wisely pointed out to Alvarez that after everything she's been through, she should be the one to live. So he rewrote it to the ending that we see today. And that wraps up our fun facts. So we can now jump into a scene-by-scene breakdown. We open with a young woman wandering around the woods. She looks hurt. She seems kind of out of it. She's hiding behind this tree, and then a bag gets put over her head. Um, You know, this man is kind of wrestling her to the ground, and then we see another boy, man, whatever you want to call him, walk up and hit her in the head with the butt end of a rifle, and she gets knocked out. She wakes up. She still has the bag over her head, and she's tied to a post in what appears to be like a cellar or a basement. There's a group of people that appear to be a family or, you know, close relation of some sort just because of how they're dressed and that they look similar. And there's all of these like tools and there's blood in this basement and it looks like they're doing some ritual. It definitely does not look good for the girl type of the post. And then we see the Book of the Dead. It appears that they seem to be getting ready for some kind of ritual The older woman in the room even says, only the book of the dead can undo what the book of the dead has done. Then we see this girl's father is also in the basement, the girl tied to the post, and he's taking part in the ritual. We come to find out very quickly that this young girl has been possessed by a demon and that she killed her mother. And her father apologizes for what he's doing. And of course, the young girl's like, I'm sorry, don't do this. I don't know what's happening. Where's mom? I want mom. And he pours gasoline over her head. He tells her that he's sorry. And he's like trying to light the match and it's not lighting. And the girl's looking more and more panicked and it's not lighting. And then finally the match lights and we pan to the girl's face. And she says, I will rip your soul out, daddy. And he throws the match on the ground. She goes up in flames and starts screaming. Her face contorts, you know, to the abomination, demonic, possessed looking girl. And then he takes a shotgun and he picks it up and he says, I love you, baby. And then he shoots his daughter in the head. Well, you know, this shell of his daughter, you know, it's not his daughter anymore. She's been possessed, but shoots her in the head. And that is our opening sequence. That was wild to see in the like, what an opening to see that on the big screen after like not having seen that many like horror movies in theaters was phenomenal we get our title card and then we get an aerial shot of a forest it's one of those like as above so below of course based on the opening scene definitely going to be demonic it's evil dead so it's going to be demonic um we know that going in 
we see a red jeep driving through the woods it definitely seems like the middle of nowhere we're kind of with this car driving for what seems like quite a while the jeep crosses over this little creek and then finally pulls up to this cabin which looks like in the middle of the woods nothing else around we see david get out of the car he's greeted by his friend olivia and we see that david has brought his girlfriend natalie with him we learn that olivia is a nurse and olivia doesn't really seem happy that natalie's with david and then we meet eric david eric and olivia were all friends they've been friends since they were younger and eric tells david that he was supposed to be there a couple of hours before eric seems upset that david has kept them waiting and david's like i'm happy to see you too and he hugs eric but eric doesn't reciprocate this he then tells david she's waiting for you out back and eric walks off next we cut to our main gal mia and she is in the back of the house sitting on this old rusted car smoking a cigarette and drawing we soon learn that david and mia are siblings and mia is shocked that david actually showed up they clearly seem to have a rough relationship and we see that david has brought his dog with them which seems to be a dog from their childhood mia seems very excited to see the dog kind of a little bit more excited to see the dog than she is to see david David has bought Mia this necklace, which is supposed to increase her willpower, and we soon learn that Mia and everyone are at the cabin so Mia can detox from her drug addiction. Mia is shocked that David gave her this necklace, and she's like, I thought you didn't believe in this shit. And he's like, I don't, but I know you do. So I thought, why not? Mia gets up and goes to kind of, you know, get the show on the road, and then she turns to David and says, promise me you'll stay to the end. And he says he promises, and then Mia says, cross your heart, and he does. Next, everyone is standing around this well, and I really like this shot. So the shot's actually from inside the well looking out, and so we see everyone's just faces looking into the well. And Mia's doing this big speech about how she's going to stay away from drugs, and she's not going to touch this shit anymore, and then she throws the last of her drugs that she has into the bottom of the well. Eric and Olivia at this point are kind of giving each other this knowing look. They've been through this process before pretty clearly, and... Now we see everybody unloading their stuff. They're walking to the front of the cabin and David goes to unlock it, but the lock's busted. It seems as though someone's broken in. It's a bit messy inside, but doesn't appear like anything's been taken or anything's really broken aside from the lock on the door. Mia walks in and instantly says that it smells really bad, but no one else seems to be commenting or noticing the smell. Now we see everyone kind of cleaning up so the cabin will be livable for the couple days they're going to be there. Mia then heads back into what appears to be the room she used to stay in when they were younger. There's a bunch of drawings on the walls. There's photos of her and David, her, David, Eric, and Olivia. Mia also finds a photograph of her and David and their mom, who we will soon learn passed away a couple of years ago. David comes into her room, and Mia starts kind of bringing up their mom, and David doesn't want to talk about it. Mia's like, you know, in her final days at the hospital, mom sometimes thought I was you, and I played along and she starts talking, you know, kind of confiding in David, and he just cuts her off. He's like, you know, I wanted to be there, okay, I did, but by the time mom got bad, I had just gotten the job at the garage in Chicago, and I had a hard time finding a good time to come back, and when I did, it was too late. Then Mia says, maybe you were lucky. Maybe you were lucky not to see her the way I did. And there's clearly some resentment that Mia had to be the one to take care of their mother in her final days, and that she had to bear the weight of all of that by herself. It seems as though it's kind of late in the day, the sun appears to be setting, and David is using a nail gun to fix the door, put a new lock on, change the door frame, all that fun stuff. We see Eric's on the porch swing, and Olivia comes up to chat with David. Olivia confesses that they tried this last summer with Mia, and that Mia has actually OD'd. That Eric and Olivia are worried that she won't survive the next one. 
Olivia and Eric also tell David not to let Mia leave because when she breaks, and she will, she's going to turn to David. Like I said, they're both very worried that she won't survive her next overdose. David didn't even know that she had overdosed. Eric says she didn't even just OD, they had to defibrillate her. So legally, she died. Like they had to bring her back to life. Olivia says we need to be all together on this, otherwise it won't work. And David's like, I came here to make things better, not worse. If she asks me to take her home, I'm going to. And Olivia and Eric both seem frustrated, like, you know, kind of like, what's the point even if you're just going to take her home if she asks? Now it's dark, it's raining, and Mia's freaking out. She's screaming, she's yelling, she says the smell is too bad. Olivia's trying to calm her down. Mia's throwing things. She's you know, she's like, I can't stand the smell anymore. Olivia then gives Mia a sedative, so hopefully she can sleep through the night, and that will help with the withdrawals. Mia's like, I don't know how you guys can handle the smell, and Natalie's like, Mia, there is no smell. Like, nobody else smells anything. So everyone's kind of thinking it's just her suffering from withdrawals. But then we see the dog go over to the carpet that's on the floor, and he's like scratching at the floor, trying to move the carpet, David gets up and moves the carpet, and we see that there is a secret hatch under the carpet that, you know, leads to the basement, and there's a large trail of blood that leads to this hatch. Gotta love that the dog had Mia's back. Shout out to the dog. A group of friends, of course, decide to open the patch and go down in the basement, and now everyone else can smell the smell. The steps are old and rotten, look like they could break at any second. We see our group of friends head into the cellar, basement, whatever you want to call it, and we get down there, and Eric's like, it smells like burnt hair. We now see that there is a door in the basement leading to a small room. David and Eric make their way over to go check it out. But when they open the door, they start coughing. The smell has clearly gotten worse. And the farther they go into this room, we see a bunch of dead animals hanging from the ceiling. And we see the post where the young girl was burnt alive in the beginning. The post is all charred. Eric thinks it might be witchcraft because of all the dead animals and how they seem to be displayed. David notices the burnt pillar, and then Eric spots the Book of the Dead on the table, all wrapped up. Now we are back upstairs with our group of friends, and Eric says that he doesn't think that it's voodoo. He thinks it's something different, and they've brought the book upstairs, and Mia's like, y'all shouldn't have touched any of that shit down there. We see the book is all bound in what looks like a trash bag, some kind of black bag, and wrapped in barbed wire. We see there's also a shotgun, some shotgun shells, and then the empty cartridges from the father shooting his daughter in the beginning. We cut to what I'm assuming is the next day. Natalie's using an electric carving knife to carve what looks like roast beef or some sort of meat. It's still raining, and we see that Mia is walking in circles outside in the rain in a dress because she's overheating due to the withdrawals. We cut to the room that Eric is staying in, and he's sitting at this little desk in the room with the book and decides that he's going to open it. Bad idea number seven. We see Eric start to open the bag, he's able to get the book out, and we see our lovely Book of the Dead. And then Eric, being the dumb guy that he is, decides to try and read what's written in the book in Latin. All the warning signs are in it. There's just red writing, don't touch this book, leave this book alone, don't read the words, don't think about the words, don't write the words. And as Eric is flipping through the book, he gets a paper cut. He's given his blood to the book, which we all know is red flag number 12. The page that it falls on, like I said, says don't say it, don't write it, don't read it. And so what does Eric do? He decides to figure out what the writing says. And he decides to say each of the words that appears someone has scribbled out so that no one would actually read them. It just, like, I love Eric. 
I, but I love Eric because I know Eric would be me because I'm dumb. I, I know. I know. I, I take full responsibility for knowing that I am that friend in the group, that I would be Eric, I think. I'd like to think that I'd be Olivia or Natalie. I'd like to think that I'd be Natalie based on how badass she is at the end. I think I'd be Eric. I need to, I need to be honest. That's why I, I don't think I could be a final girl because I'm just dumb. So he's trying to figure out what these words say. He gets the first one. And he says it out loud. He figures out what the word is, says it out loud. And then we see that there's some type of force rushing through the woods toward the cabin. He finds the second word, says it out loud, and again with the third. And this force is rushing quicker and quicker. And then, bam, it smacks into Mia because that's the first host that it finds. Once the entity hits Mia, she's throwing up everywhere. Of course, she thinks it's just another withdrawal symptom, but she's now possessed, and she even looks into the woods and sees what appears to be her standing out in the woods covered in blood, and this entity says her name. Mia runs back into the house and is like, I'm sorry, but I have to get out of here. Olivia's trying to get her to stay, but Mia is not having it. Mia says she'll go through with everything. She just can't do it here. And Olivia's like, we've decided we're not going to take you back. Eric's like, we can't lose you again. You're going to have to stick it out this time. Mia gets really upset, and then she turns to David. She tells David to drive her home, and he's like, maybe they're right, Mia. She gets really upset and then tries to guilt trip him. She's like, you were supposed to support me, and like I thought I could you know, have you in my corner and count on you for once in my life, but I clearly can't. And then she rips up the necklace that he got for her. And she goes back into her bedroom. But we see that as she's walking back, she grabs a set of car keys that are sitting on a table by the hallway. She goes into her room and slams the door. Eric says he's going to go check on her. But of course, she has escaped out the window and is already in the car driving off in the rain. Everyone runs outside after her. But of course, it's too late. Mia's driving away. She's just screaming fuck over and over and over. The rain is super heavy. Mia looks down to flick on the windshield wipers, but when she looks back up, the abomination Mia is standing in the middle of the road. Mia tries to swerve out of the way, but ends up crashing the car in this little pond area. We cut to, I'm not sure how much time later, I don't think it's been too, too long, um, but Mia appears to have passed out due to impact with a car crash. She is like nose deep, you know, car nose deep in this pond area. It seems to stop raining for the time being, but Mia comes to in the car. She's trying to figure out where she is, what happened. She hit her head pretty good. She's bleeding a little bit. Um, and of course, she's not going to be able to start the car because the front nose of it is submerged in water. We see Abomination Mia going through the woods. And Mia's trying to essentially swim out of this little pond area that she's found herself in. She climbs out and then she hears her brother calling her name. She turns around, but then Abomination Mia comes out of the mud and now Mia is essentially being chased by herself through the woods. Mia ends up tripping and falling into all of what appear to be these like sticker bushes, but there's they're not really bushes because there's no leaves on it, but there's all these like pokey branches. She goes to stand up, but one of them is fully wrapped around her arm. She's trying to pull it off and she's unable to. And then one snarls around her neck. Mia's choking. One gets, you know, another one wraps around her foot. She's able to pull herself up a little bit, but now both of her arms, both of her legs, and her neck are all tangled in these pokey branches. Then we see Abomination Mia get regular Mia's attention, and Abomination Mia throws up this, like, long, nasty, 
black rope thing that is now crawling on the ground. It crawls up Mia's leg under her dress and goes inside Mia's body. And I won't get into those technical details. Um, you can just use your imagination. But I remember watching that scene in theaters and being horrified. Just horrified. Mia screams and then we see the abomination version of Mia scream, implying that now they are one. We see Olivia and David in the woods trying to find Mia, and David ends up finding her all curled up next to a tree. She's got cuts all over her arms and legs. Back at the cabin, Olivia is trying to essentially give Mia medical attention, and they ask how Mia's doing. Olivia says that Mia's just talking about some woman in the woods, and Mia is saying that the woods attacked her, but Olivia says it's all just the withdrawals talking. Natalie mentions that maybe they should take Mia to a hospital, and Olivia's like, I'm giving her the exact same treatment she'd get at a hospital. And then Olivia says, if we leave now, all of this would have been for nothing. Eric even pipes up and asks, what about the wounds on her arms? And Olivia's like, she honestly, like, could have done it to herself. I pulled all the thorns out. You know, I'm putting ointment on it. Like, it's all going to be wrapped and fine. You know, she shouldn't get infected. Um, but she could have done it on purpose. David looks shocked and Olivia says from now on she's going to do whatever it takes to get out of here because she doesn't want to do it anymore. So she's going to do whatever she can to leave. David goes in to check on her and Mia's all curled up in the corner of the bed by the wall. She's covered in dirt. David sits on the bed next to her and she jumps and gets scared and David's like, listen, we need to get you out of those clothes. You need to go take a shower and get all clean. Mia looks terrified, like eyes wide, pale face. She's like, you have to get me out of She's like whispering. Like I said, her eyes are all big. And Mia's like, you don't understand. There was something in the woods. And then she leans really close to David and she's like, I think it's in here with us now. And David's like in the room with us right now. And Mia just very intently, full eyes, nods her head. David gets up and just leaves the room. But before he closes the door, he says, it's all in your head. Just try to get it together. Then he's like, you'll feel better in the morning and you'll be glad we were all such assholes. Mia looks equally frustrated and scared and she turns toward the mirror in the room and she sees her reflection in the mirror, but it's the deadite version of her that's just kind of leaking blood out of, out of its mouth with its, you know, amber yellow colored eyes. We cut to Eric, and he's now translating things from the book, and he finds an image of something that looks very similar to what happened to Mia in the woods with her being strung up with the vines and that thing going up in her you-know-where. Olivia comes in and says, please get rid of that thing. You should be downstairs helping clean up the, you know, the mess in the basement, and Eric and Olivia basically have a conversation where Eric's trying to pretend like he doesn't care about David and Olivia calls him on it. She's like, don't act like you don't care about him. I know you do. And then Eric's like, I think we can agree that he hasn't cared about us in a long time. And Olivia's like, well, he's here now. And Eric's like, yeah, truly amazing. We cut to David in the basement and he's in the process of taking down all the dead animals that are strung up in the back room. He takes a trash bag full of garbage out to the little trash can, and as he's throwing the trash away, he calls for the dog. He notices what appears to be a little bit of blood on the ground. He follows the blood to this hole in the ground, and you can see that the dog is all curled up inside, whimpering. David can't get to it, and you can see that um, this hole kind of goes under the shed that's on the property. And so David goes into the shed. There, you know, there's floorboard areas ripped up kind of where that hole is. So you could get through, you know, essentially into the shed and, and out of the shed from that hole on the ground. 
And sadly, the dog is not doing well. David pulls the dog out of the hole, but the dog is sadly passed. At first, David thinks the dog maybe got into something poisonous that he shouldn't have. You know, the shed has lots of different stuff in it. Could have gotten into, you know, some type of rat poison or anything, really, um, that could have harmed the dog. But then he realizes that the dog's all bloody, and he sees that there's a bloody hammer on the floor next to the hole where the dog was. Then we have this little cutscene of Mia just hammering toward camera, essentially saying that Mia and her possessed form killed the dog. David goes inside clearly upset, and he's, like, going to confront Mia about this. He goes into the back bedroom where the bathroom is. He starts pounding on the door, but it's locked because Mia's now in the shower. He's yelling at her to open the door. He's trying to break the door down. And we cut into the bathroom, and we see Mia standing in the shower, fully clothed, just spacing out. Again, from outside the bathroom, we hear David getting more frustrated. He's like, open the fucking door, Mia. And Mia just turns on the water, hot. As hot as it'll go. It, you know, we see the little hot water heater catch on fire. And the water is now burning Mia. She's like getting all these heat blisters. She appears to be having a seizure because the water is so hot. And when David finally breaks the door down, the room's full of steam. Again, Mia's got these heat blisters on her skin. David calls for Olivia, and now the Jeep is zooming through the woods so they can hopefully get Mia to a hospital. She's, like, vomiting up foam, again, appears to be having some type of seizure, and, of course, David's Jeep is only two seats, so he's driving and Mia's in the passenger seat. We get back to the cabin, and Eric is flipping through the book, and he finds another page that's similar to what just happened, where the possessed person will put boiling water on their body. We cut back to David, and he stops at the creek because it's now flooded with water. There's absolutely no way the Jeep's going to get across. David turns around and looks back at the car and over at Mia, and she appears to have this little smirk on her face about the fact that he's not able to get across the river. It's now dark. We cut back to the cabin, and everyone is back. They just need to hunker down and wait out the storm. Olivia gives Mia a sedative and says that Mia's burns are second or third degree and that they're really bad. And then Natalie, who doesn't really know this group, like she's just David's girlfriend, kind of blames Olivia for everything, which I think is a little bit intense. She's like, we've been following your lead. Like, why did you let things get so out of hand? David's trying to be positive. He's like, it's fine. It'll stop raining in a couple hours. We'll be good. We'll cross the creek in the morning. We'll take her to the hospital. We we just have to get through tonight. And then Eric's like, I don't know if you've noticed, but nothing has been fine. Everything's been getting worse by the second. And then we see Mia is standing in the hallway holding the gun that they brought up from the basement. Olivia asks Mia what she's doing, and Mia seems out of it. She's slowly not becoming Mia anymore. David's asking her to put the gun down, but she slowly raises the gun and has it pointed right at David. She shoots the gun, and it grazes David's arm. It's not that bad, but he ends up, you know, kind of falling against the wall to the floor. Um... And at this moment, the front door opens and all this wind rushes in. Mia is yelling, one by one, we will take you. And then the door slams shut. And she says, you're all going to die tonight. And then she collapses on the floor. Olivia crawls over to get the gun from Mia. But when she grabs it, Mia grabs Olivia's arm and then jumps on Olivia and just vomits blood all over Olivia's face. So fucking intense. Olivia throws Mia off of her and ends up throwing Mia like down into the basement Eric slams the door shut and then lays on top of it and, like, basically locking Mia in the basement. They ask Olivia to give her more sedative, and Olivia's like, I gave her enough to put, like, to give a horse a nap. David's like, I don't care, give her another one. 
Olivia's worried that she could put Mia into a coma, and David's worried that Mia's going to end up killing herself or someone else. We can hear from the basement, it sounds like Mia is throwing herself against something or hitting, you know, something down in the basement, um, and David's worried that she's going to hurt herself. Natalie goes to get her purse so that she can get her tweezers to get the, uh, you know, bullet fragments out of David's wound, and then it's just Eric and David in the living room as Olivia goes to get more sedative. Eric looks over at David and says, I don't think a tranquilizer is going to do shit because I don't think we're dealing with a panic attack. I'm scared that what's happening to Mia is something to do with in the basement. We cut to Olivia and she's washing some of the blood off her face in the bathroom sink and then she's quickly trying to get the sedative ready so that she can give more of it to Mia. So the cabinet door slowly closes and we see in the mirror on the cabinet that Olivia's face looks like her cheeks have been sliced open um, and her teeth are showing like in, in the mirror and then the mirror shatters. Olivia screams and then we hear this like spooky sounds going on in the bathroom. She looks over on the table and the book of the dead has been flipped to a page where it looks like a woman is taking a knife and trying to peel her face off. Olivia goes to the bedroom door like she's trying to leave essentially but then she just stops. She drops the syringe and the sedative from her hands and seems to be just frozen. Her body's now being taken over. We see Olivia has peed herself and the door slams shut. We cut back to our friends in the living room and Eric hears the door slam and then goes to check on Olivia. The bathroom door is now shut. Eric notices the syringe and the pool of pee. He makes his way over to the bathroom door, but before Eric opens it, he's asking Olivia if she's okay. He's not getting a response, so he opens the door. It's dark in the bathroom. Eric calls out for Olivia. He turns the light on and we see that Olivia has taken a shard from the mirror and has started to cut into her face. Eric gets freaked out. As he's backing away from possessed Olivia, dead-eyed Olivia, he slips on a piece of her cheek and falls really hard on the toilet and like hits his back. So he's having a hard time moving and then Olivia jumps on him and starts stabbing him like right in the heart with this shard of mirror. Then she picks up a syringe and starts stabbing it into his face multiple times, into his eye, breaks his glasses. Eric is trying to shove Olivia off of him and is finally able to, but she falls back and hits her head against the toilet seat and then against the shower area. It seems like she might be down. Eric scrambles away and then ends up pulling the needle. Like the needle ended up breaking off like right above his cheekbone, like right below his eye. So we see like a very close up shot of him pulling that out, which was just, oh, it gives my spine a good little tingle. But we quickly see that Olivia is not down. She's now crawling on the floor towards Eric and he picks up a chunk of the toilet and smashes her head like a good couple of times. David finally makes his way back to the bedroom, bursts through the door right at the end of this happening and Eric is just saying, she tried to kill me. We pan up with an aerial shot and there's blood all over the bathroom and Olivia's head is smashed in. We cut to the shed and David is pulling shards of glass from Eric's shoulder or like from his chest area. It's bleeding pretty bad. It seems like Eric is also probably going to lose one of his eyes. It's kind of rolling around. doesn't seem to be uh, staying that focused. David is doing what he can with Olivia's medical stuff to try and patch Eric up, but it doesn't look like Eric's going to be making it. Then Eric tells David that he did something bad and David's like, I don't, I know you didn't mean to hurt her. And then Eric's like, that thing I killed was not Olivia. David is now putting duct tape over Eric's wound and Eric's like, I read a passage from that book. It was a sort of prayer. And then Eric tells David that he released something. He released something evil. 
We see Natalie go into the house and she's going to get Eric some water with some sugar to try and keep his blood sugar up so he doesn't pass out. She goes into the kitchen and we hear something. Mia is again trying to get out of the basement. Natalie comes into the living room and we see the basement door is now open. The front door slowly closes. Natalie's looking around and then quickly goes to leave, but then Mia calls Natalie's name. Natalie pauses. Natalie slowly turns around and looks toward the basement. Mia asks Natalie what she's doing down there, and Mia says that her leg hurts. Mia is sitting at the very bottom of the stairs and tells Natalie that she can't move. Natalie says she's going to come down and slowly starts coming down the steps. And Mia's like, why did you lock me down here? You were supposed to help me. And Natalie's like, we were trying to help you, but you were out of control and you got violent. We, we didn't know what else to do. And then Natalie says something really, really terrible has happened and we have to get out of here. And we get this, I love this camera shot because we are down at the bottom of the stairs and it's dark. So we don't get to see Mia's face, but we see that like Mia's figure and we see Natalie coming down the stairs, like closer to camera, closer to Mia. And as Natalie goes to rest her hand on Mia's shoulder to like comfort her and let her know what's going on, Mia says, you don't understand. He's not going to let you leave. But she gets like, it's, it's in that like kind of possessed voice again. Natalie gets freaked out, turns really quickly, goes to run back up the stairs, but the top two steps break out from under her. And she really has to like pull herself back into the house. She's finally able to pull herself up and she's back in the house, but then something grabs her legs and quickly pulls her right back down into the basement and the basement door slams shut. The screen goes black and we cut to Natalie lying on the stairs in the basement. She seems to have passed out, but she comes to, she's looking around trying to catch her breath. And then she looks down toward her feet and you can see Mia in the shadows, like coming closer to Natalie, Natalie shaking and crying. And Mia is fully dead eyed now, fully possessed. She's rubbing her face and her lips up Natalie's leg. Natalie sees this little box cutter and ends up holding it up. And she's essentially going to try to fight Mia off. Mia says, I can smell your filthy soul. And then Mia bites into Natalie. Mia then takes the box cutter from Natalie's hand and licks it, essentially cutting her tongue in half. Mia then grabs Natalie and says, kiss me, you dirty cunt. And then shoves her two tongues or her cut up one tongue, whatever you want to call it, down Natalie's throat. And at this moment, David opens the basement hatch and he's able to get Natalie out. Mia's at the bottom of the steps and tells David, why don't you come down here, pretty boy, so I can suck your cock. David, of course, is shocked by this, to say the least, and he just stands there kind of looking like a dummy instead of like slamming the door shut. He calls out for Mia and she's like, Mia's not here, you idiot. And this is what finally causes him to slam the door shut. And then he starts nailing the basement door um, shut and chaining it to make sure that Mia stays locked down there. We see David and Natalie kind of curled up on the floor. Natalie's crying and we pan over and the hatch is all chained up. So Mia's locked in the basement. It's still raining. Now it's thundering outside. Eric is still hanging on and now he's sitting in the back bedroom and he's lit the book on fire, but it's not burning. David asks Eric what's going on and then we cut to Mia in the basement and she's losing it. She's not herself anymore. We cut back to Eric and David and Eric says that a bunch of the book uses an ancient alphabet and there's a bunch of translations and scattered notes, mostly warnings. All of these notes refer to some evil entity. Eric explains once this entity feasts on five souls, the sky will bleed again and the abomination will rise from hell. Now we cut to Natalie and she's standing in the kitchen. She's tying up the cut that's on her hand. 
where Mia bit her. She runs it under some cold water and she starts squeezing it. And there's these like little black, um, they almost look like maggots, like the size and their like roundness. But this like sludge comes out of the wound. And now we see that her hand is looking more and more infected quite quickly. Eric is now saying that the thing has attached itself to Mia and that if they really want to help her, they will have to kill her. David starts freaking out. He's like, we're not killing anyone. And Eric's trying to show David the book. And David is like, maybe the cats in the basement were sick and they spread a virus to Mia. And then Mia puked on Olivia and it spread to Olivia. And Eric's like, what kind of a virus makes someone cut their own face off? We cut back to Natalie and we see the wound on her hand is growing. Like I said, it now seems to be essentially decomposing right before her eyes. And it's now coming up into her arm seems like she's not control of her arm anymore the kitchen door slams shut behind her and then we cut back to david and eric in the bedroom david's still like no it's fine when the rain stops we'll get out of here we just need to make it through that and eric's like it doesn't matter where we go it's gonna find us we cut back to natalie in the kitchen and her arm is it's now like up to her elbow she is leaning against one of the cabinets on the floor And we see that Mia is able to poke her head out of the basement just a little bit. And she's staring right at Natalie. Natalie's kind of, you know, now coming possessed herself. But she ends up picking up the electric carver and cuts her arm off above where it's decaying so that it can't spread anymore. It's totally badass, but like also kind of a death wish. Um, but it's really fucking cool. It's super graphic. She like cuts her arm off, um, but she doesn't do it all the way. Like she like gets through the bone and then stops. And Eric and David come out to check on her and there's blood all over the kitchen. And then they see Natalie standing next to the fridge and she looks at David. She's like, I had to do it. And I feel so much better now. And her arm is like hanging by a thread or like a piece of flesh and then it just like sloughs off onto the floor it is so wild and then we hear mia giggling in the basement david's trying to stop the bleeding on natalie's arm but she looks really pale and she's out of it eric says that some of the transcriptions and stuff are conflicting but that the best way to get rid of the infestation or the possession whatever you want to call it is to purify the host and so we see that bearing Mia alive dismembering her or setting her on fire are the best ways to purify her body David's like are you sure this will work like if I kill my sister she'll be at peace and Eric's like of course I'm not sure this isn't a science book but I'm sure of one thing whatever's inside of Mia is the cause of all of this and if she dies this thing dies with her David's like what if she's just lost her mind what if she just needs a doctor and Eric's freaking out he's like a doctor's not going to help anything And David's like, my mom was in a mental hospital. She, you know, went crazy. She ended up being a monster. What if Mia is just like her? And Eric starts laughing and calls David a fucking coward. And Eric's like, I'm going to burn this place down and I'm going to put an end to this nightmare. Why don't you just go run and hide? Because that's what you do. And as Eric is backing out of the room, we see Natalie is standing in the doorway and she has the nail gun that David was using earlier in the film. And she's gone full deadite now. Full amber eyes messed up face natalie is no more and she's been shooting herself in the face with a nail gun and then she turns the gun on eric he takes a couple nails to the arm david takes a couple to the leg and mia is in the basement so happy with how things are going david and eric are trying to get away from natalie and the nail gun 
David's able to get away, but Eric is kind of almost nailed to the wall. David ends up tackling Natalie to get her to stop her nail assault on Eric. Eric's alive, but starts trying to pull the nails out of himself. He's been hit a lot. David takes a couple nails out of his leg, and David looks up to see that Natalie is now gone. He is not where she was when he just tackled her a second ago. Eric's not doing well and tells David to take the shotgun before Mia or Natalie get to it. David's making his way over, like crawling to the floor where the shotgun is laying on the floor, and it's resting against the wall. He kind of looks up to grab it, and he sees Natalie's reflection in the television screen that's turned off, and she's got what appears to be a crowbar, and she brings it down right on David's arm. Like, he blocks it, but most likely this either fractures or breaks his arm in the process. Then she hits him in the head. She just starts hitting him, but then we see Eric has got the nail gun, and he starts shooting at Natalie, which distracts her enough to stop her from hitting David even more. Eric really tries to go down fighting. He uses that nail gun until there are no more nails left, and then he essentially is beat to death by Natalie with the crowbar. Like, Eric takes a beating in this movie. As Natalie goes to deliver one final blow, David shoots her other arm off at the elbow. Natalie turns around and calls out to David. She stumbles a little bit. She's now, like, stumbling toward him. She's now got no arms, and she asks David why he's hurting her. She falls to her knees. She's covered in blood. She asks David why her face hurts, and it's like, probably because you shot yourself with a bunch of nails. And she's crawling toward him, and he's trying to offer her comfort, and he opens up his lap for her to, like, rest herself in. And she's like, why does everything hurt? Why does my face hurt? And then she dies in his lap. Eric starts laughing from across the room, and then we get an aerial shot of the living room with the blood everywhere, Eric against one wall, almost dead, dead Natalie, David wounded, and Mia locked in the basement. We see David is hauling Eric out to the car, and Eric's like kind of in and out of consciousness, not doing well, but David's going to set the place on fire and get them out of there. David tells Eric he's going to do what he has to. We see David putting gasoline all throughout the cabin. Then he looks at the basement of the cellar. He proceeds to put more gas on it, and then he puts the gas can down and pulls out his lighter. He's standing next to the basement hatch, and he says, I'm sorry, Mia, I love you. He lights the lighter, but he can't get himself to drop it. As he goes to, like, as he's standing there trying to decide if he's going to go through with it, Mia starts singing a song that their mother used to sing to them when they were little. And this, of course, gets David in his feels, and he realizes that he can't go through with it, and he needs to do what he can to try and save his sister. Now we see David running around, putting stuff together. He's essentially uh, going to do the bury alive tactic. And then when she's dead, take her out. And he's built this makeshift defibrillator that he's going to use to hopefully bring her back. David makes his way into the basement to get Mia. And we initially see that um, there looks to be like some kind of utility knife sitting on the table. But then when he's got this flashlight and when the light flashes back over in that section, it's gone. We hear someone calling out to David, calling him a murderer, calling him a coward, and then there's all this shuffling in the basement. It almost seems like Mia's like a cat at 3 a.m. with the zoomies, like stuff's being knocked over, there's shuffling going on, there's all these sounds, but we don't see what's happening. But we do see that David has brought down the tranquilizer that Olivia had brought with him. He's got this big old syringe full of sleepy time juice. He makes his way into the back room where all the dead cats were, and it's now partially flooded. It's like just below David's knees, he walks around, he's got his flashlight because it's dark, and we're not seeing anything. He walks over to this corner of the room, and there appears to be, I don't know if it's supposed to be a well or what it was, but there's this, like, 
higher brick area that's just full of water. So that's much higher than the water that's like, you know, just below his knee. This little pond or water feature, I guess we can call it, goes about to his waist. And so he gets over to that corner of the room and then turns around and we see Mia in the other corner of the room across the way. She comes at him really quickly and ends up cutting his arm with this utility knife that I was talking about. And then she ends up throwing him around the basement, like throws him into walls, throws him around. He's under the water and she is holding him there so that he can't breathe. And then all of a sudden Mia is off of David. David's able to get up and we see that Eric has made his way down into the basement and hit Mia over the head with something to get her off of David. David's able to inject her with a tranquilizer, but in the process of Eric saving David, he was stabbed in like the lower abdomen area. Like I said, poor Eric just goes through it. And he, I keep, the, I, I remember when I saw in theaters, I was like, he's got to be dead now, right? Like he's, that had to have been it. And it's like, nope, he comes back for one last scare. Eric fights, man. David goes to check on Eric and Eric tells David that he missed him. And it seems like Eric is on his last couple breaths. Eric's head slumps down and Eric has finally succumbed to all the injuries he sustained over the course of these 70 to 80 minutes at this point in the film. David lets his body go and Eric kind of slumps into the water that's in the back room and then David turns to his sister and he's still going to attempt to try and save her. We see David put a new dress on Mia and then he puts a bag over her head. So I think that she doesn't swallow any dirt and get any up her nose, um, but so that if she comes to since she's passed out, um, you know, she may also suffocate a little bit. He takes her outside and starts the process of burying her alive. He starts off pretty solid, you know, burying her pretty well until Mia comes to. And then she starts acting like Mia, you know, and instead of the abomination version. But of course, that's what it is. She starts freaking out. She says the dirt's too heavy. She can't move. She can't breathe. Mia's screaming for David to help her. And David just has to power through and keep shoveling dirt on top of Mia. Then it gets really serious. And Mia just says, why do you hate me, David? I know you do. You left me all alone with our sick mother when I was just a kid. You made me lie every time she screamed your name. I told her you were coming to see her like you promised, but you never did. David tells her to stop, and Mia's like, I know mother hates you, and now she waits in hell for you. Mia starts chuckling, and then David tells her to shut up, and he starts putting dirt over her face. David has now filled in the hole, and he collapses to the ground. He says he's sorry, and he's like, I should have been there. And then we see the lights go out. David takes it as a sign that everything is over, everything has stopped, so he, as quickly as he can, starts shoveling everything off of Mia's body. He gets her body out of the ground and then tries the makeshift defibrillator. He stabs it into her chest, turns it on, flips the switch, but nothing seems to happen. I mean, it works, but, like, it doesn't bring her back to life. He tries again, doesn't work. Tries a third time, again, no results. David goes to try a fourth time, but the battery's lost its charge. It's got nothing else to give. David goes to pull the bag off her head, and we see Mia seems like Mia now. She doesn't seem to have the rotten look on her face. She looks normal, and David seems to at least be happy that she's at peace now. We see the flashlight that David had next to him start to dim, and then we get an aerial shot of David kneeling next to her on the ground. He stands up and starts making his way over to his Jeep, and then we hear Mia say, David. David turns around, and Mia is standing up. She's out of the blanket. He had, like, put draped a blanket over her. She's out of the blanket. She seems like Mia. 
David goes over and gives her a really big hug, and Mia says that it was all so horrible. David tells her it's all over now, and she thanks him for not leaving her. They hug, and then we cut to Mia getting some shoes on. David tells her to wait outside because he's got to go get the car keys. David makes his way inside and grabs the keys, and then he goes back for the picture of him, Eric, Olivia, and Mia. And as he's standing there looking at this picture for a moment, we see that Eric has come back to life. But not lovely Eric. Dead-eyed Eric. And he stabs David in the neck with the utility knife. David starts bleeding really quickly. He's trying to make his way out of the house, but he's stumbling pretty bad. Eric's just standing there looking creepy as hell. Like, the makeup for Eric was just, ooh, it's spooky. Mia sees him stumbling and goes inside to help him, but David just tells her to take the car and go. Mia says she's not going anywhere, and then we see Eric come out of the bedroom and make his way toward the two of them. David pushes Mia outside and tells her to take the car keys, and then he locks her out of the cabin. Mia starts freaking out. She's crying. She's pounding on the door from the outside. She's yelling for David. He slumps against the door from the inside so that she can't open it. And then, thankfully, he's able to, like, kick the shotgun toward himself. And instead of shooting Eric, David shoots the gas can that was sitting in the room, and the whole cabin goes up in flames. Before it does, Eric looks at David and says, he's coming. We cut to Mia outside, and she's just watching the cabin burn. She's crying, and then she sees the necklace that David had given her on the ground. She picks it up, and it looks like David had taken the time to fix it. And as she's staring at the necklace, it started to rain again. But it's not regular rain. It's blood rain. And as Mia's looking up toward the sky, an arm grabs her arm from out of the ground. And the abomination version of Mia is climbing out of hell, essentially, like depicted in the Book of the Dead. Mia runs over to the Jeep and tries to get inside. She tries to start the Jeep up, but she drops the keys on the floor. She bends down to pick them up from the floorboard, and when she sits back up, we see that abomination Mia is standing just outside the Jeep. She breaks the window in order to try and get to Mia. Mia jumps into the passenger seat, but the entity can't quite reach her. It grabs her leg a little bit and, like, burns a handprint into Mia's leg, but thankfully... It doesn't do much any more damage than that. Mia's able to get out of the Jeep, and she crawls into that hole where we said the dog was earlier. She's just kind of, like, inside hoping that the, uh, you know, abomination didn't see her, but it did, and it starts, you know, crawling in after her. So she crawls into the shed. She starts looking around for what she can use as a weapon. She sees a machete and goes to grab it, but then she settles on the chainsaw on the shelf below it. She tries to start it, but there's no gas. And she finds a little bit of gas, fills it. She kind of ends up spilling most of the gas, but she gets a little bit inside. Um, And at this point, the abomination has come up through the floor and is trying to make its way closer to Mia. Mia kind of shoves herself back, like, further into the shed behind one of the cupboards, like, behind one of the shelving units, like, between the shelf unit and the wall. And she's got a moment. She's still trying to start the chainsaw, but it's not working. The entity decides it's going to use the machete. And it starts stabbing through the shelf unit. It misses the first couple of times, but then, like, the third or fourth time, it cuts in and it cuts, like, the top of Mia's knee, like, her kneecap area. Mia's then trying to get out of the side wall to, like, get, you know, bust through the wall to get outside. She takes a little bit of a machete to the arm. doesn't, like, go through her arm. It just, like, cuts the side of it a little bit. But she's able to get out through the shed. She's got the chainsaw. She's running from the shed and ends up hiding behind the Jeep. The abomination makes its way outside toward Mia, but Mia decides she's going to go under the Jeep to hide there. Mia 
finally is able to get the chainsaw started as the abomination is standing next to the Jeep and Mia swings the chainsaw out and cuts off one of its legs just right around his calf area. So the abomination falls to the ground and now can't walk. Mia tries to crawl out from under the Jeep, but the abomination just like like effortlessly, effortlessly picks the Jeep up and just kind of pushes it over on its side. The Jeep lands on Mia's arm, and so her arm is pinned under the Jeep, so she can't move. She's trying to pull it out. It looks like it's ripping her skin. She's, try- like, again, trying. She can't get it. It's still blood raining. Mia is totally soaked in blood at this point. The entity is soaked in blood. The ground is all smushy because it's been raining, and the chainsaw is just out of Mia's reach with her arm being pinned into the Jeep. The abomination is making its way closer to her, and the abomination says, you're going to die here, you pathetic junkie. Mia's still trying to reach for the chainsaw. She's like, I'm so tired of this shit. And then she just pulls as hard as she can with her arm that's pinned. And she essentially, like, I don't know if it's degloving, but she, like, rips off the skin from probably mid-arm, like, below her elbow, and then rips off her hand. It's fucking wild. She's able to stand up. She gets the chainsaw. The abomination is still crawling towards her again since it's missing one of its legs now. Mia's looking over, like, over the top of it. And the abomination rises up as far as it can on its arms and says, I will feast on your soul. And then Mia grabs the chainsaw and says, feast on this, motherfucker, and runs the chainsaw through the mouth of the deadite, the abomination, through the back of its head, more blood, more gore. This scene is so iconic with the chainsaw. They've got the lighting behind them of the cabin on fire. So it's kind of just like this beautiful red silhouette of Mia running the chainsaw through this demon. She ends up essentially cutting it in half. And we see it just kind of get absorbed back into the earth. Mia says, go back to hell, bitch. She drops the chainsaw. The blood rain stops. Mia looks up at the sky and then back to the cabin. She walks toward the front of the cabin and picks up the necklace again and puts it around her neck. And then we get a zoom in on Mia's face. She seems determined. She seems satisfied. We see the sun start peeking through the trees and Mia starts walking toward the road. We pan up to see the treetops in the forest. And then we pan down to the Book of the Dead. It closes itself and then we get our end card. And that is how The Evil Dead 2013 ends. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, again, this movie is one of my all-time favorites. Um, all the Evil Deads are great. It's kind of like Scream. Like you can pick one that's not your not your top favorite, but like there's not really a bad one in the bunch, in my opinion. Um, this one's one of my favorites because I actually got to see it in theaters. I obviously went and saw Evil Dead Rise when it came out a couple months ago, which I fully, fully enjoyed. Um, But yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts on the 2013 Evil Dead. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please feel free to like and follow wherever you listen. I'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to know what the podcast is up to on social media, you can... I have the podcast on Instagram and Twitter under M Murder Movies. So that's M as in Massacre, Murder Movies on Instagram and Twitter. I also have a YouTube channel now, um, which is under Megan's Murder Games, where I play horror games. I'm currently playing Dead Space and Resident Evil 7 right now. Um, And yeah, I think that that is all that I have for today. I hope you have a spooky week or weekend whenever you're listening to this. And remember to stay safe and stay spooky.